0: Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding.
1: Hello, Soul Talk community. We're so glad to have you following Jesus with us and joining in in today's Soul Talk. I'm blessed today. To have instead of having Bill with me today, I have a colleague of ours, Aaron Damiani. And Aaron is special to Bill and I because he is someone who has been following Jesus, the shepherd of his soul, but he hasn't been doing it alone. Aaron is a he has an MA in biblical exegesis, and he's the lead pastor of Emmanuel Anglican Church in downtown Chicago. And Aaron and his wife Laura have four school-age children. And Erin, I've just been so impressed with how intentional you've been with stewarding the health of your soul as a minister of the Lord. That's so important and so hard to do, but you and Laura have been really good about that. You've come away, you've gone through all of our Soul Shepherding Institute, four retreats that that, week-long retreats that that includes, and you've come to to, two others on top of that and meeting regularly for Soul Shepherding, spiritual direction, and counseling, and for coaching. You've, you've kind of taken in all that soul shepherding has to offer and it's helped support you in your ministry. And that's why we exist. So we're just so grateful for you and have loved getting to know you over the last decade and just seeing a part of what God's doing through your life, through your ministry as a writer, as a pastor, as a father, as a leader in the Anglican church and in the downtown Chicago area. So it's just been an honor to know you and it's an honor today to get to have a soul talk with you about your new book Earth Filled with Heaven.
0: Oh, Christy, for all those reasons and more, it is a huge honor to be part of the Soul Talks conversation today. I have huge respect for you and Bill. Uh, you've poured so much into my life and ministry and I've also been a part of this Soul Talks, you know, audience as well and gained a lot from it. So to have a chance to talk with you today is a a lot of fun and a great honor.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, as I read your book, I just really appreciated the great job that you did of really translating the traditions and the culture of liturgy as, as an Anglican pastor to the general population who maybe is unfamiliar with that or, or even uncomfortable with it. And then I especially appreciated your passion for Jesus and his church and how that just came through so Beautifully. And one of the things I also appreciated is you shared vulnerably a little bit of your story that intersects with Journey to the Soul and the Christ Stages, which our, our listeners are very familiar with, and how you hit a wall
0: in yes. your own
1: walk with God. Will you want to share a little bit about that with our listeners?
0: I would love to. There was a time when I was doing everything I could to serve and please Jesus, and I wanted to be close to Him. I wanted to experience the life of christ but the things that were working up to that point had stopped working and so i was experiencing it as a crash and burn season of christian failure when in mm-hmm. fact it was more of a grace that i was hitting a wall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i couldn't i couldn't feel my way to god that was part of you know we had a tragedy in my within uh, my friend group uh, there was a a really tragic death and um so i was really wrestling with that i was wrestling mm. with my faith as well yeah couldn't think my way to god couldn't have the right. correct theology as trying so hard and then the final piece was i couldn't serve and lead my way to god and i was in my first you know christian ministry assignment where i had some kind of pastoral oversight of other people and ministry to lead And I was starting to get criticized and that felt terrible. And uh, I was getting to the point where, you know, I didn't have a spiritual director at the time. I think part of my passion for finding one early on in church planting was I've known ministry without one and it's terrible. Yeah. Um, So those three things combined uh, meant that I felt like I was hitting a wall. Where, Where do I find God if I can't have the emotions, the thoughts, and the service, all of those are are running dry. And so I had a friend actually invite me to a liturgical church. It was a a gospel liturgical church that was very Christ-centered that also featured the sacraments and liturgy. And I look back now and I realize I was experiencing that as an easy yoke. Jesus Mm -hmm. was meeting me. He was inviting me to find rest. And he was inviting me to find rest not alone, although that's important, but he was inviting me to find rest within the confines of his church, which I experienced in a very motherly way actually back Mm. then. It was the church saying, Hey, I can see that you're tired and you're also, you belong. And here are some prayers to pray. Here are some sacraments that you can partake in. You don't actually have to know what you believe and you actually don't have to feel a certain way. And you actually don't have to be in leadership right now. We're not going to put you to work you actually, We're actually going to be inviting you to rest with Jesus and his people.
1: I love that. And that's so good. Here you were at a time of doubt, of deconstruction, of burnout, all the things, you know, three types of walls right there. Yes. All kind of converging. And what is, what's such a temptation for us when we hit that wall or any of those walls is to exit the church and to just yes. kind of give up and get cynical or critical mm. or... Uh, just bash on the church and make it all bad because we've been hurt. We've been disappointed. It isn't working for us anymore. We're not getting the consolation we were getting er in that earlier first journey Mm -hmm. part. And so I love that you found a connection to the bride of Christ through the liturgy and through the Anglican Church, and now you're offering that to others, and you've got this understanding and this grace, and it really comes through in your writing in your, in your book. On, on page 109, you said, each time we gather to worship, we set our minds on things above. We learn the customs of things above, which is something the Anglican Church really specializes in. We come to the throne of grace with confidence, bold to praise, humble to bow when we read scripture publicly you said we actually let god do the preaching so good so important such a centered perspective there that we need and what we really need in the inner journey season of our yes. life you're clearly now even you went you've gone through that inner journey season which part of that is getting that new longing for god which sounds like you got through yes. your experience, the liturgy awakened that within you, that new longing for God and emotional honesty, a place to be able to get honest with God and value that, not have to pretend or hide or distract by busyness. So I, I love your story with that, because it is, we all need to hear people's stories, because as we hear people articulate their stories, we resonate. Oh, I feel that. Yes. Too. Oh, I need that too. We get a vision for what God has for us in that. I I think, too, the other thing I really loved about your book was just the way that you shared out of the grace that God's given you as you're now in spirit, ministering, overflowing so much out of what God has filled you with and sharing it with other people. And, And one of the things that you particularly shared in your book that I thought would be great for you to lead our listeners in was the thought experiment around some of the confusion about. Communion,
0: the yes. Eucharist,
1: and the elements. And I wonder, would you be willing to share some of that?
0: Most definitely. Sometimes, you know, when people think about the Lord's Supper, they're really careful to not be, you know, idol worshiping. They don't want to be thinking of physical things as having sort of supernatural idolatrous qualities which i totally understand we we don't want to mistake you know the creator god with his with his creatures and with his creation and so sometimes with the eucharist or with the lord's supper we can actually bring more suspicion than faith mm-hmm. and and miss and miss what jesus is offering And so the thought experiment I invite people to do in the book is just to imagine, you know, imagine that you had made a gift for somebody that you really loved, someone that you would give your life for, and you spent, you know, say three years developing this gift or even three months, you know, pouring your heart and soul into, maybe it's a poem, maybe it's something that you're making out of wood, like a special cabinet. Um, maybe it is just the right Christmas gift that someone doesn't know they want, but when they open it, they're thrilled. <sighs> um, and if we were just to you know, take ourselves to the time when that gift is being unwrapped, imagine the recipient of that gift using the word just to minimize the gift. And all they did was to see the physical properties. Let's say they saw a cabinet and they said, why why are you making such a big fuss over this gift? It's just a slab of wood nailed together, glued together. You know, what's the big deal about this poem? It's just words on a page, or maybe you made someone a meal. What's, this is just, this is just chicken and potatoes. And that word just is so painful because what it's doing is it's actually zeroing out and deleting. All of the love, all of the intention, all of the story, you know, your shared history with that person, we can do that with the Lord's Supper. We can say we can take Jesus's gift of this bread and this wine, which he is intended for us to at the very least remember his death. At the very least, yes. at the very least to remember that he's with us. And we say, it's just bread, it's just wine, or it's just grape juice. What's the big deal? This isn't really special. And especially in the COVID times when it like mm-hmm. had to be, you know, mm-hmm. sealed and in those, you know, those like plastic wafer type situations. And so one of the things that that I, you know, encourage readers to do is to Um, Remember what Jesus said about this meal. This is my body. This is my blood. Let's not get wrapped up in the physical properties as much as the gift of his very life, which his body and blood represent, as well as his ongoing love, his ongoing presence for us through his Holy Spirit. And then when we do that, boy, we can see the rest of his creation with a lot more reverence and especially our fellow image bearers that we're taking communion with that are part of the church.
1: Well, thank you for that. I love your sharing of that because I think one of the things you're, you're doing that's so important is you're helping unpack some of these ancient practices and liturgies and bringing out the the real purpose and the treasure in yes. them for us that sometimes we've lost along the way in the church mm-hmm. and bringing us back to the heart of God in that. So mm-hmm. really appreciate that. And, and think that's so needed and really pray that God uses this book and, and your ministry to draw people back to his heart. I also love the conversation that you have with the readers in the book about around the three spiritual formation questions mm-hmm. that you articulate that first one yes. being, are we approaching our day as a race to win or a rhythm to learn? That's really good. Let's talk a little bit more. You talk a little bit more about time. You share yes. with our with us perspective there.
0: Absolutely. Well, I don't know about you, but in the mornings, I feel a lot of pressure to actually, you know, begin my day with a bang. And there's a there's some uh, just a sense that. The clock is ticking, the sand is dripping, and I actually have to race against time if I'm going to be a good parent, be a good employee, get everything done that I need. And usually what happens is, you know, we run into these obstacles in the day as the texts come in, as the interruptions flow in, when we feel like I'm more and more behind, the longer the day goes, the more internal anxiety I have combined with exhaustion. And just at the end of the day, you just want to sort of collapse. And um, because if you're going to race against time, really, time's always going to win. Time doesn't have a body. Time does not have a need to sleep. We do. And so um, one of the things that the ancient church calendar does, and especially the daily office, is it actually arranges time, keeps time in such a way that we're honoring God's grace as being operative and uh, overseeing the way that our our life is, our, our days are shaped. And so uh, one of the things that uh, we do in the daily office is actually we begin our days at night. And so if you can even imagine at the dinner table tonight, lighting a candle and and celebrating that that you are beginning a new day, that God is beginning his work, even as many of us are ending our work. Some people work at night and, and there's provisions for that. Um, so, uh, what that does is that actually allows us to begin our days with grace. The fact that God is is working and we can rest, we can eat, we can uh, we can sleep, and then when we wake up, we actually wake up into God's grace. He's been working all night long, and then when we come to pray, we're not we're not actually ticking off the list of I'm going to do my quiet time now, but actually I'm going to enter into the grace that is there for me. I'm a child of God. I have nothing to earn. And then what happens is our days are then imprinted with God's grace, infused with his grace. And when we pause along the way, we're just keeping the heartbeat of the rhythm of God's grace, which began when we lit the candle the night before.
1: Yeah, so good. I, I highlighted some things that you wrote on time. It said in the hands of God, time can be our teacher. Yes. Which is so important rather than us just trying to numb ourselves against it or fight it, kill it, race against it. Yes. And then you said, instead, it's a good gift from the Father, and let's let our mother church hold us while we kick and scream as she patiently <laughs> teaches us to keep time. And I love that little word picture because, of course, as a mother, I've held the kids kicking yes. and screaming yes. as I'm trying to patiently teach them. And so you've just illustrated here some of the ways that the church through through these ancient practices can help us learn and learn from God how to how to keep time, how to march in step with God in the time instead of that trying to numb it, race it, kill it, fight it. Really important, really good. So that second question, do we inhabit our week now? We were talking about day. Do we inhabit our week as if it's a prison or a cathedral? Talk to us about that.
0: Yes. So I have experienced weeks that felt like I was in a prison sentence Mm -hmm. and I was, I thought I wrote particularly about a job that I really didn't like that where I was a receptionist and I was doing menial work. I felt that I was not being challenged enough. I felt that I was not in my, you know, calling, which in many ways I wasn't. And nevertheless, this was God's provision for me of, of work and My temptation was to try to jailbreak out of the out of the week by getting Mm -hmm. through it, serving my sentence and then and then getting out of Dodge. And one of the things that I learned in that year and that I wrote about, which was that actually our week can be much more like a cathedral, but it begins on Sundays. It begins as we make that pilgrimage to the local church and we experience what um, one jewish scholar called a cathedral in time sabbath as this cathedral in time that even if you don't have a church building to go to you actually have the cathedral of the sabbath and this is a you know again god's grace meeting you in worship as well as in you know time of just enjoying savoring your family your friends god's creation and what happens then is you think about like a, an ancient village with a cathedral at the middle. Our week becomes revolving then around that cathedral in time, and so we are we are sent from uh, this cathedral of the Sabbath into the rest of our week where we carry with us the the aroma uh, and the beauty that we received on that Sabbath day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, so good. Such a such an important perspective change. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we really can't begin to understand and celebrate and practice Sabbath without that vision of it. So thank you for that. I love that. That third one is do we mark the season of the year as a consumer or a pilgrim? And Mm -hmm. as Americans, especially we look at seasons of the year as a consumer. Look, the fall's coming. We're looking for the pumpkin lattes, right? <laughs> the pumpkin yes. pies, all the pumpkin. You know, Trader Joe's is going to get filled with the pumpkin products. <laughs> and you know, then Christmas comes right after that. Sometimes we even miss Thanksgiving there, which is such an important example of if we approach the church year as a pilgrim.
0: Yes.
1: Um, so share a little briefly about that with our listeners.
0: Yes. So the, I, well, just want to say that I experience the same consumeristic temptations mm-hmm. that everyone listening <laughs> experiences in our culture. And actually so much of it is good. So much of yeah. it is is wonderful. I love, you know, pumpkin pie and Christmas mm-hmm. gifts. I think what happens though is the pressure to purchase our way into meaning and connection uh, actually that that doesn't work.
1: Mm-mm.
0: And the the depth that I have experienced by stepping into, very imperfectly, the church calendar, starting with Advent. Um, Actually, for me, I have experienced this idea that my pilgrimage to the heart of God with the people of God, um, walking the story of Jesus, what happens is that that sense of meaning that I'm chasing with my consumer dollars, that's actually available to me without having to to purchase my way into it. Of course, I you know, give to the local church, but uh, for me, it's actually, and for many others, it's a way for us to inhabit the story of the gospel in a three-dimensional, tangible way, using color, using symbol, using some ancient practices along the way, some family customs that really help us as these embodied creatures to really feast, to really celebrate and to do that with people that we wouldn't otherwise maybe even know or notice mm-hmm. if we were only living the consumeristic life the the fasting of lent gives way to the feasting of easter the the, the solemnity of advent as we remember the second coming of christ gives way to the 12 days of rejoicing at christmas tide and um along the way the glory of christ i think what it does is it makes some of the appeal, it takes away some of the, the false appeal of these consumeristic, um, you know, invitations that are all around us, pressurizing and promising.
1: So good. I, I really appreciate it, too. On page 155, you said the ancient gifts of the church are not collector's items. We can make them into collector's items and think that's what they are and and cheapen them. You said there are mission critical supplies for life and death rescue operation. Mm -hmm. They are powerful, tangible signs of God's kingdom moving aggressively to throw off Satan's cruel regime hell, death, and enslavement. Yes, 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 Aaron. (laughs) Yes. Such a good articulation. So important there. I mean, that's even part of why soul shepherding is put the resources together of the Ignatian meditation guides and the breath for guides and the Lexio guides and the sabbatical guide, because these are critical mission, critical supplies for a life and death rescue operation and starting each individually with our soul. Yes. And so thank you for your focus on that. Really, Mm -hmm. really appreciate it. I also loved in you write about, the church being best when she's on the
0: offense. Yes.
1: Talk a little bit about that.
0: So, we're all tempted. I'm tempted to play defense and really become I think uh, protective of all of the good God has done all around us. And we want to we want to sort of in some ways be territorial of like these are my people, this is our this is our stuff, this is our um, this belongs to us, and we don't want to lose it in the process of of reaching out. But his church history shows us over and over again that when the church goes on defense, um, she turns in on herself and loses her best quality. The church is at her best when she's giving herself away. Mm-hmm. i'd I would moderate that to say that we can't neglect our souls right. in the process. We can't seek the fire of the spirit and neglect the fruit of the spirit. And so, mm-hmm you know, being missional is important, being mature is also important, and those things need to be held together. And this is why, for me, I, I do love the the liturgical sacramental inheritance, because it, for me, it helps to, to bring those together. One, you know, story that happened early on in our church planting journey is, you know, we didn't have, we still don't have a church building, we didn't have a place to meet the, um, for Sunday services at that point. And there was a shooting in our neighborhood that we were planting in, and um, just a lot of trauma. People were really shaken up. We were shaken up.
1: I remember we were... praying for you about this.
0: Yes. I, so, so, so it was a it was a very real life and death situation where we felt like you know we've been given this beautiful Book of Common Prayer. We have we have a, a musician that's ready to lead worship. I was going to give a staff devotional at our, at our staff meeting, but we thought, why don't we just take this to the streets? Let's go to where the shooting was and do, let's take our book, books of common prayer and go out there and, and have a worship service. One of the victims of the shooting actually came and, and prayed one of the ancient collects of the church. Mm. It was such a special moment, Christy, because what we saw was, you know, the grace of Jesus pouring out into the streets of the neighborhood. And into the people we're actually hurting. Yes. And there's so many hurting people right yeah. now, all around us, mm-hmm. people who are confused, looking for answers. Yeah. And we do have the opportunity to imperfectly you know, give them the beautiful gift, not only of Jesus and his gospel, but also of his beautiful bride mm-hmm. and all of her awesome, sometimes quirky <laughs> customs yes. and yes. gifts and people. Um, they really are for the life of the world.
1: Yes, they are. And they're beautiful, but often we miss them because we don't understand them. So that's why this work is so important that you're doing here. What is an ancient practice that's really bringing you personally comfort Mm. in, in a time of your life that isn't easy?
0: Yes, yes. Well, I have to say that for me, the daily office is one of the most stabilizing things that I've ever had in my personal, uh, in my own spiritual formation. And for two reasons, the first reason is I'm a pretty emotional person. I feel emotions deeply. And so- You and I both. (laughs) Yeah, we we share this. And so for me, actually one of the things I've learned from the Soul Shepherding Institute is this whole concept of think about your feelings and feel your thoughts. And that's actually a a wonderful way to to integrate your life in God. And so one of the ways that I've learned how to think about my feelings is actually to take them to, um, the daily office practice, which has some prearranged scripture readings and, you know, whether it be Psalms a uh, reading for the old Testament reading from the new Testament, et cetera, as well as some old prayers that are really scripture. It's like poetically arranged scriptures. And so for me, what that does is that will get me out of my emotions not denying them, but giving them a way to pray, mm-hmm. and also adding in perspective that I need—I need some theological perspective and some some historic ballast that my emotions can can be in conversation with. Yes, and so for me, that has actually along alongside the pausing to pray throughout the day, those pre-arranged readings and those pre-arranged prayers um for me, are are a really helpful, stabilizing way to be an emotional person, but also to to be grounded in the grace of God, which is there, whatever I'm feeling at that particular day.
1: really important, really good. Thank you, Aaron. As we close our conversation today, would you lead us and our our list with a blessing, a, a yes. prayer for our community today?
0: I'd be honored. This is one of the most ancient blessings uh, that we can find from the book of numbers that was originally given by, by Aaron, the priest. So I will, I will give that to, to uh, all the listeners here. Um, May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and bring you peace, the shalom, which comes directly from Jesus and is ministered through his loving saints throughout time and around the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Aaron. Such a joy to have this little talk with you. God bless you, Laura, your ministry there and the book Earth Filled with Heaven.
0: Thank you so much, Christy, for having me. It's been a joy.
1: So, friends, we at Soul Shepherding want to help you to be healthy in your soul, intimately connected with Jesus, emotionally, relationally healthy, and fruitful in ministry. And so much of what Soul Shepherding does is to support you in this. You can speak with a spiritual director or coach through our soulshepherding.org website, clicking on individuals, and then you can connect there and, and book an appointment. You can check out our resources in our shop by looking at some of those guides we mentioned in the podcast or journey of the soul. If you want to understand the stages of emotional, and spiritual development and get practical tools for starting to engage with God where you are at. And then we also have through our soul shepherding network, a community to connect with a community to connect with a safe place through different, soul care groups that we have unique for you as well as tools that will help you tools that help you with some of these ancient practices and disciplines and then as well we encourage you to get earth filled with heaven erin Demiani's book anywhere books are sold too thanks for following jesus with us
0: thank you for joining us on the soul talks podcast To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.